left off uh, last week kind of introducing uh, verses 14 through 41 overall in this uh, point three, uh, looking at the explanation of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so as you uh, kind of look at this, this whole uh, chapter and even forward a little bit, you see the coming of the Holy Spirit and the effects of it. And in verses 14 through 41, you see Peter explaining what has happened because, uh, as you see, all of these people here that, that uh, see the results of his coming are in a confusion as to what's happened. And so in verses 14 through 41, we see the explanation uh, given by Peter. Now, what he does is he uses prophecy uh, in Scripture to explain it. And last week, I believe I said, uh, and I look at the notes in my Bible that I've made before often when I uh, look at these things, but I think I gave you uh, Joel chapter three, uh, verses one through five. And what happens is if you're looking at the Greek text, sometimes the uh, the verses are off as you go back to the Old Testament. Uh, but the exact verse that you want to look for to to find this passage is uh, Joel chapter two, uh, verse twenty eight and verse uh, through verses thirty two. And it's a di- almost direct citation of what's stated there. Uh, but we'll look at that and let's read uh, verses 14 uh, of Acts chapter 2 through 21 just to introduce and then we'll get into uh, uh, this segment of scripture. And we're not going to probably make it much far- farther than that, but we will uh, get, get back into the Old Testament and see this citation by Joel as well. But in verse 14, it says, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that this uh, thing, this event, this occurrence is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And here's our citation, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my uh, spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heavens in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this is the uh, citation that he's he's giving here of of this uh, passage in Joel. Uh, So what we want to look at um, in verse 14, we see the leadership of Peter. Uh, we see this leadership in spite of what we've seen before. Now, if we were to do a character study on Peter, he's kind of like this <laughs> up and down, up and down, because I think as you, you look at Peter over the course of Scripture, he's a very expressive and very uh, probably emotional individual. Uh, and sometimes when you're an emotional individual, that emotion will override your rationale. Right. And so a lot of times he makes claims and assertions. And is, he's not quite able to keep or live up to what he said. Now, remember what he said in the Gospels. 
Though all of these would forsake you, <laughs> I would never forsake you. And I think in his mind's eye, he really meant that in that moment, right? He, he really meant to carry it on. And I think it's even validated by the fact that when they came to take the Lord, what did he do? He chopped off that guy's ear like it was. So he really intended to never forsake the Lord. However, what did the Lord tell him before? Satan has desired to have you so that he might sift you like wheat. Satan's moment of temptation didn't necessarily come in that garden. And I think Peter was able to pass that test with flying colors. Satan's moment came when that little girl <laughs> was saying, hey, you were one of them. You were with him. And he, he denied him three times, just as the Lord predicted. And so what you see here is, is Peter, throughout the Gospels and prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit, was just up and down, up and down. But after that, you see someone here that as he stands and speaks and then validated in the coming chapters after, he is confident and bold to, to go on speaking. And so the start of it is here uh, in verse 14. So we'll look at this. Let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we're grateful for this day, uh, grateful for um, the grace that you provided to us, uh, grateful that uh, we can, just like Peter, uh, be up and down when we're acting out of our flesh. Uh, we can be hot and cold. We can be uh, ones that are, are meaning to do well and have the heart to do and to serve you and, and uh, not necessarily able to accomplish it because we're trying to accomplish it out of our own strength. Uh, but it is when, when we're grounded in who we are in Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, take up our battles and understanding that the battle uh, overall is already won. And it is only for us to walk in the uh, truth of who we are in reality in Christ. And when we can do that, we can be victorious in this life and the things that uh, face us that uh, in, in any instance of acting out of the flesh, which, which we would fail, uh, we're able to um, overcome and be victorious. So uh, we pray that as we look at these individuals who are uh, just like we are uh, and know uh, better than we are, they weren't any super Christians. They were just those that were learning to walk in who they are in the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit. And uh, because of that, they were able to accomplish great things. And might this uh, inspire us to walk in the same manner so that you can get the victory through us. Uh, for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. And so over in, in verse 14, again, we see the leadership of Peter. Now, uh, again, I want to do this quick aside to look at uh, some of the occurrences of things that happened with Peter. Uh, because, again, you see this up and down nature uh, with Peter. And so the leadership of Peter differs from that uh, prior to the Holy Spirit. And again, this is to emphasize as you get here to chapter two and throughout the book of Acts, the theme you're going to see is that the Holy Spirit made it possible for these people to do do things that they weren't able to do before. And even if it's just uh, not the physical power and, and these things that they're able to do miraculously, the thing that I see throughout the book of Acts that is more stunning is the spiritual things that they were able to accomplish that they had never been able to accomplish before. You could go back to the Gospels and see instances where the disciples were able to heal people and do different things like that. You won't see them behaving in the way that they did after the day of Pentecost as far as their boldness and strength 
to act in the way that the, uh, God was leading them to. And so, uh, as you see here, um, uh, Peter's explanation that he gives is um, the explanation is in light of Old Testament prophecy. And we're going to see that coming up with this uh, context in Joel. And then the explanation is in light of Christ's work uh, that he's accomplished. And he's going to go on to explain this in this uh, sermon that he has coming up. And then the explanation is in summary is to lead to action. You don't give a sermon that doesn't call for people to do something. And Peter is calling for these individuals to do something with what they've been given in this information you're going to see. Uh, you can go to the next slide there, uh, Brother Carl. And we'll get into this <laughs> explanation. I wanted to break down a little bit for you guys. I know it's hard to see. Um, but as he talks about the third hour today, and let's let's get through uh, verse 14 first, and then we'll get to that in verse 15. Uh, but here in verse 14, uh, we see that Peter, uh, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Israel, uh, or excuse me, of Judea, and all of ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. Now, uh, what we saw from Peter, even throughout the Gospels, is he is the first person always to stand up and speak on behalf of these other disciples. And it continues on here. And so what you saw early on is you saw uh, seeds of leadership. And I think this is uh, uh, why the Lord kind of told him uh, Satan desires to have you. He didn't say that it's any of the other uh, uh, 12. Well, obviously, he decided, uh, desired to have Judas as well and did have him. Uh, but with the other ones, even the disciple that the Lord loved, John, you don't see him saying Satan desired to have you, John. It's Peter. And why is that? Because Peter is often the leader of this group. And who is the first one to stand up here in leadership? And it's even contrasted from what you saw in the last chapter. And go back to chapter one real quick. And remember back to when these ones were gathered after the Lord had uh, ascended into heaven. What did he do? Peter stood up in leadership at this time, too, but. Uh, I've told you before my feelings on it, and I don't know that it's true, but I think he just acted out of his flesh and out of what he thought was right to do. And I think it's borne out over the course of Scripture because what he did here, you don't see it standing anywhere else in Scripture. They still talk about the 11 rather than the 12. There's no uh, uh, Matthias with the included in here with the other ones. They didn't go back to calling them the 12 again because they added this other disciple. This was something Peter decided to do. And that he used Old Testament scripture to validate. Go with me here to, uh, I believe, pick it up in verse 15. And it said, and in those days, Peter stood up just like he did in chapter two. Uh, in the midst of the disciples and said the numbers uh, of names together about 120 men and brethren. This scripture must needs be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David sp uh, spake before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. You see him using scripture again here to validate what he's about to do. Right. This is this is his explanation. Now, what I think here. This is before what you see in chapter two. He has not received the Holy Spirit. And and this is just my evidence for it. I'm not saying that it's correct. Maybe I'm wrong. But you see him acting out of his own flesh to bring something to be. In verse 16, men and brethren, this scripture must, oh, excuse me, verse 17. Uh, for he was numbered, speaking of Judas, 
with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with reward of uh, really their unrighteousness and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and his bowels uh, uh, gushed out. All of his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem in so much that the field is called in the proper tongue, Akadema, uh, excuse me. Uh, this is uh, to say the field of blood. For it was written the, uh, in the book of Psalms, let the habit, his habitation be desolate and let no uh, man dwell therein and his bishopric let another one take. Uh, wherefore, uh, of these men, which have company with us uh, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in uh, and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day uh, that he was taken up from us. Must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? And so it was Peter's interpretation from this Old Testament scripture that he, he takes out here that they need to fill this position. Now, uh, again, I give you evidence and gave you evidence as we were coming through here before that this is not necessarily the leading of the Holy Spirit. What was one of the things that I said would cause you to think that? They, they gambled on who the person should be. They drew straws. If the Holy Spirit or, or if God were involved in this and leading you to do this, do you need to have it happen by chance that this individual is the one that should be picked? I don't know. Again, um, not saying that it's, it's perfectly true, but it leaves you to wonder. And then uh, with, with Matthias, you just don't see him throughout Scripture as one that's being active. Uh, with this. A lot of people believe, and I've heard a lot of uh, good teachers, the great teachers say, uh, that they thought Paul was the one, and that's the one that God had selected rather than him. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I'm not sure uh, who was the person, nor if that uh, position needed to be filled. But what you see is Peter standing up here to say something that I don't necessarily think was led by the Holy Spirit. I think it was led by his own actions. Uh, over in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33, we see Peter spoke uh, first in stating that he would uh, never forsake the Lord. And so uh, we want to look at some of his actions and things that Peter did here to to uh, where his, his heart was in one place in Matthew 26 and verse 33. Uh, but he wasn't necessarily able to carry it out. And it's all prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. And let's pick this one up in verse 26. And it says there, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it, and gave it to the disciples and said, uh, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is uh, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed on behalf of many or, uh, uh, for the remission of sins or really or the forgiveness of sins. Uh, verse 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it and uh, drink it new with with you in my father's kingdom. Uh, really, I should have probably started from verse 30, but this is OK. Verse 30, it says, and when uh, they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, 
All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Now, you see the the Lord giving an Old Testament citation here. uh, And yet this is going to come to pass perfectly true as we know he's in line with the word. Uh, Verse 32. But after I am risen again, I will go uh, before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him. Now, the Lord is just making a very general statement concerning what all of these are going to do. And what does Peter do? He stands up boldly (laughs) in his own flesh and says, though all men shall be offended or scandalized because of thee, yet I will never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt uh, deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, though I should die. And so here, here, here you would think the Lord just told you this is going to happen, right? Eh, maybe, maybe you're right. Okay. Maybe I should reconsider what I'm thinking. No, he doubles down in verse 35 and says, uh, though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise also said all of the disciples. And so you see Peter here very bold to say, and again, I think he fully intended. We can say things a lot of times and we do right before the moment comes. Somebody broke in my house. I would do such and such a thing to him. And then someone breaks in the house. And you're hiding in the corner somewhere. Right? This can happen. We in our minds and back to that word imaginations, there's a lot of things you can concoct in your mind that you think you would do. But when the time comes, you're not necessarily ready. And I think this is what happened with Peter. He was fully intending on his mind. And I think even further than that, he by action showed that he was ready again in that garden. And yet hadn't been tempted by Satan yet. Satan hadn't snuck in there and caused him to be what? How do we know that Satan uh, got Peter when the girl came to him? Not just because the Lord told him that Satan desired to have him, but there's something that Peter displayed there that, that lets us know very obviously that this was satanic attack. What was Peter when that girl accused him of being with, uh, with the Lord or being his follower? Well, yeah, he did lie, but well, one one more than that. It's going around a lot today. <laughs> fearful. And so we, we see scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So this could not have been of God. This was of Satan. And Satan uh, caused him to, to be fearful of the situation. Uh, over in Matthew 17 and verse 4, we see that Peter spoke first in uh, stating <laughs> what would happen or what should happen on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so we see Peter jumping forward again when no one had asked him to say anything. He should have just sat there and been in awe of the what he was seeing transpire and been thankful for the fact that he was allowed to see such a, a thing uncovered right before him. But Peter couldn't hold it in. He had to speak. <laughs> he had to say something, even when his, his, his statement wasn't warranted. And so pick it up in verse 1 of chapter uh, 17 of Matthew. It says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, uh, 
and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment as white as the light. And this going back to uh, our, our uh, uh, sermon we did on light there a couple uh, weeks ago. Here you see the physical manifestation of that light and glory that comes from God. What did we have our word for transfigured here? It's really, really our word for metamorphosis. And so what was really inside of the Lord showed on the outside and you saw it as glory in the form of light. And it was a, a must have been an amazing and beautiful sight because Peter uh, couldn't keep his mouth closed. In verse three, it says, and behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias, Elias which is uh, Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter. And so uh, here answering uh, really to the situation, no one asked him a question and said, hey, Peter, what do you think about what's going on here and what you think should happen? Uh, Peter's just going to volunteer this information and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make uh, make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them uh, and behold, a voice uh, out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In other words, Peter. <laughs> Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the glory of what you're seeing. Now is not the time for you to speak. And I believe someone put it well the other day. Uh, what Peter is seeing here is the kingdom come into the earth and he's seeing the opportunity to start establishing this thing right now and he's ready to go. Uh, but now is not the time. And so, uh, again, you see Peter willing to stand up and speak out. And yet at a time when it wasn't necessary over in John chapter 21 and verse three. And as you're turning there, note here in uh, Matthew 17, four. We saw James and John also there. And these three were always uh, with the Lord when he would go into these different places. And yet Peter was the one that continuously is seen as is speaking out on behalf of the others. Uh, but over in John chapter 21 and verse three, you see Peter uh, again using his leadership and where he desires to go. It looks like the other disciples follow and uh, here they followed him as well. But in verse one of chapter 21, it says after these things and speaking of the events uh, of the Lord's crucifixion, uh, Jesus showed himself again uh, to the excuse me. This is after his resurrection, excuse me, uh, uh, again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias uh, on this wise uh, showed he himself. Uh, there were uh, together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Gal er, in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee. That's uh, James and John and the, uh, two other of his disciples. Simon saith unto them, I go fishing. Uh, they, they say unto him, we also go with thee. Uh, they went forth and entered into the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. And so uh, here you can see uh, the Lord is uh, resurrected and yet uh, they <laughs> are going back to what they do and to this life of fishing. 
And I don't think the, the idea here is that we're just going out for a fish today because it seems like a good day to do so. This was Peter's uh, habitation, or excuse me, his, uh, not habitation, his living place, his, his work. Occupation. occupation, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Brother Don. This was his occupation. This is what he did and, and did it quite well, uh, honestly, from a lot of what we see in Scripture. And so he's saying we're going back to this. And guess what? The sons of Zebedee who did it with them before followed him along with two other of the disciples. Uh, and so you see Peter again uh, speaking in action and being followed uh, by his leadership uh, there in, in verse 21. Now we touched on, uh, or excuse me, chapter 21. We touched on uh, Acts 1.16 and how uh, Peter spoke of the filling of Judas's position. Uh, so we won't go to that. Uh, but we also see in uh, Acts chapter one and verse six that Peter was uh, one of the disciples speaking up uh, for the restoration of the kingdom. So go back back with me to Acts chapter one and verse six. And here we don't don't see uh, Peter specifically, but here again, you see these disciples uh, and where their minds were as they're acting, uh, again, apart from the, the spirit. Uh, verse uh, three, it says, to whom also uh, he showed himself alive uh, after his passion, speaking of Jesus, by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise from the Father, which saith he, you have heard from me. Uh, and that promise being the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they kept asking him, or uh, this was something that they went to, or kept on asking, saying, uh, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of uh, Israel? And so uh, what you see is a stark contrast here in chapter one from what they were wanting and hoping for to what you see in chapter two, where the Holy Spirit has come. And now Peter can put it together a little bit. Those things that he was told by the Lord before during Christ's earthly ministry concerning uh, what was going to happen with his uh, crucifixion, his resurrection, uh, concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see that in this sermon that he gives here in Acts chapter 2, he's able to finally put it all together. And he's even able to link it back to what you see in the Old Testament uh, as far as some prophecy uh, that's given. And then lastly, uh, as we get back to uh, verse 14 of chapter 2, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and able to speak from a better understanding of what has taken place. And so uh, as he gets into giving this sermon, it's a lot uh, better information than I think he would have been able to give if you would have asked that uh, question of him a day ago of what's happening. Peter would have been all over the place, uh, as you can see from his character throughout Scripture. 
Now, the initial signs uh, of Peter's feelings are, are seen in his bold boldness to speak in these events. And remember, that's uh, contrasted with what we've seen of him in other places in Scripture, especially uh, with that little girl. I keep picking on him with that situation. It just stands out in Scripture uh, that he was uh, afraid to speak uh, concerning what happened there. Uh, and then uh, the support of the leaven is one thing you also want to pay attention to in verse uh, 14. They stand up with him. Now, we've seen that Peter leads in other situations and these guys follow him. And so in verse 14, we see that they were standing up with him. They were willing to stand there by his side uh, and say what was going on here. Uh, and really, uh, that word for stand there that we see in chapter two and verse 14 is he was Peter was caused to stand. He was made to stand. This this idea is a passive here. And Pastor Dave did a great uh, series on this where we see uh, the passives of the New Testament. Here, Peter was passively caused to stand. It wasn't him that was just going up like he was going before and saying, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to explain that this is what's happening on this day. No, the Holy Spirit caused him to stand up there and these 11 disciples, well, uh, 10 besides him, to support him and to say what was going on at this time. Uh, and another interesting note uh, that we see here is they were uh, uh, this idea of uh, they were together uh, and having a unity uh, in this idea of standing up together. Now, the delivery of the message, he gives this uh, a message to the men of, uh, from Judea, uh, the region of Jerusalem. And so as you look at Jerusalem, uh, if you were to think about it kind of in terms of how America is designed, you have uh, the state of Florida, and then you have all of these little different cities within it. Uh, not exactly the same, but similar. And so Jerusalem would be seen as in this region of Judea. Uh, and then the men dwelling at Jerusalem uh, are the focus of his message. And he exhorted these men uh, to give him audience. And then so in verse 15, uh, he gives this famous explanation here for what's going on. Now, remember, uh, if you go back to verse 12, what um, excuse me, verse 13, what did some of the people that were there think about what was going on? It says in, in verse 12 that uh, some were um, uh, that well, they were all amazed and were in doubt, uh, saying one to another, what is the meaning of this? What what is going on here? And so uh, others mocked, saying these men are full of new wine. And so this is the basis for why. Uh, uh, Peter gives his first address. And so in verse 15, he says, for these men are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, third hour of the day means uh, something a little different to us than it does as you look at Israel. And so that's why I have this. Uh, if you guys can see this, uh, you have a clock here. And so in the black, you're going to see what our clock looks like. Right. Twelve, one, two, three. Um, but the third hour of the day or the hours of the day are based on when first light arises as you look at Jerusalem or at uh, Israel. And so third hour of the day would be compared to our uh, nine o'clock. And so it's still early in the morning, but the third hour approximately after after Don uh, comes is what we're looking at. Not you, Brother Don, but Don, D-A-W-N. <laughs> 
Uh, and so you, you have this here. And so either way you look at it, if we were looking at it as three in the morning, it might be a little more suitable in American time, right? People party and they're out that late drinking still, I guess. But if you, as you're looking at it with regard to them, this would have been nine o'clock in the morning. And you're thinking that uh, these men have been out on a, a bender, I suppose, from, from last night. And he's saying, no, this, this is not the case. What you're seeing here is the coming of the spirit. You can go to the next slide there, uh, Brother Carl. Uh, and so um, um, top of page 14, we see um, that the uh, sobriety of, of the spirit filled. And so remember, uh, I like the reference here that as you think about uh, next slide after that one, I don't know how that one got in there. Um, as you think about um, uh, being filled with the Spirit, as these these were, uh, what does it say over in Ephesians chapter five and verse eighteen? Now, uh, again, I told you, Pastor Dave does a very good job of illustrating. So a lot of times, what he says just sticks in my mind. And one of those passives he did was of uh, Ephesians chapter five and verse eighteen: Stop being drunk with wine, but be filled with whole, with the Holy Spirit. Now, he kept saying ethyl alcohol, and I think he did it for a reason because it's stuck in my head uh, like it like it is now. Uh, but that's like go with me over there really quickly to Ephesians chapter five and verse 18. And as you think about Peter getting into uh, this sermon that he's about to do and saying these are not drunken with wine, as you suppose, you can see a real strong contrast here that you can't be drunk with wine and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as we go back there, understand that these are filled with the Holy Spirit and not drunk with wine. It's just a, an amazing correlation you can see there. Uh, but pick it up in verse 14. He says, wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you uh, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord. Uh, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is unsavingness. And so you can't live in light of your present tense salvation while you're being filled with wine. It's just not possible. Uh, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this filling is a different filling, I want to note, uh, than what they had here in verse 2, now, or chapter 2. And we pointed that out as we were coming through. Uh, but plerao is what you uh, see over there. Uh, and here you see a, a different feeling. Um, and again, I believe it was a mental feeling required to accomplish a certain task. And so that took place here. Uh, but these aren't drunk. They, they're not full of wine. They're not uh, been out all night drinking. There is a reason for what is happening. And it is this coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does he give in verses 16 through 21? You're going to see he gives this citation uh, from Joel to describe the events of the day. And so um, is there any way we can um, zoom in on that to get it a little bit bigger? The slide. Yeah, the, where's the button for the, the slide there? Maybe if you click slides. off to here. This one to the to the left here. Double double try to double click on. 
have to just do a uh, maximize the screen yeah, up the right hand corner and then um, do a control and shift it up. You might be able to uh, open up. That didn't match, I'm sorry. Oops. No, that little, the three dots, you should be able to do it. To magnify and large, yeah. But you'll just be able to do the. Well, anyways, the um, the Old Testament citation comes from um, Joel chapter two and verse twenty eight uh, through verse thirty two, and you can uh, kind of as you're reading as I read along here in Acts, you can compare uh, to what you see here uh, uh, with the Old Testament citation, or we could we could just go to <laughs> uh, Joel. Let's let's do that. Turn with me over to Joel as they're working on that, and we can see if we'll get it uh, get it together. But Joel chapter two, and verse twenty-eight. And someone's been paying attention to it in here because they have it marked. <laughs> whoever's Bible this is. Uh, But in verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my holy, my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and also upon uh, the servants and upon the handmaidens. In those days will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in heavens uh, and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Um, for in uh, Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has say it, said uh, in the remnant uh, whom the Lord shall call. And so you see uh, some differences here uh, concerning what he said, but uh, very close to uh, the same thing uh, seen there uh, in in that passage. And so uh, what you have to understand about this uh, verse here is Peter's giving it uh, and what you're going to see here. Uh, and I kind of alluded to this last week that if all of these that were there and all of Israel had believed what he was saying here, had believed and been saved, guess what would have happened? (laughs) The Lord that just went up would have come right back down and the kingdom would have been established on the earth. And so here, what you see is a potential offer of the kingdom to them again. But guess what? (laughs) We're going to see very quickly that though a lot of the ones that were there believed, and this would have been your your uh, what a, a person's dream of today to see 5000 people saved at one time. All of them didn't believe. And so all of this that we're seeing here could not be fulfilled. And so uh, parts of it were fulfilled. The part that's being fulfilled is that the Holy Spirit has come down and it explains the events that occurred on that day. But because they didn't all believe uh, this couldn't have been completely fulfilled. Now, the statement that we see uh, in verse 16, uh, he says, this is that 
it's speaking of this thing uh, and, and it's in the neuter and it refers to the events of the day, including the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit and the subsequent ability to speak in other languages. This is something that you saw uh, traced back to Joel, that the Holy Spirit was going to come and there was going to be some events that occurred. Boy, that's <laughs> quite large there. Uh, some events that occurred uh, that um, um, related to what you saw over in Joel. And the thing uh, standing as cause to be spoken. And as, as you see in, in verse 16, he says, this is that which was spoken. And in the Greek, the uh, uh, perfect tense is used here. So this thing stands as having been spoken. It was spoken at a point in time in the past. And there are results that carry over into where you are uh, now. And so this statement uh, concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit was caused to be made uh, at a time in the past. And again, it carries over to to now. Uh, the end of the statement allows uh, for the fact that the, uh, with national faith, Israel uh, could could have been saved and the kingdom uh, from the heavens would have been instituted uh, had that happened. Now, the reality was that in the end of his statement, uh, only some of those that heard um, uh, believed and this uh, was a partial fulfillment of what we saw in Joel. Uh, and we're going to leave off there as we're, we're out of time. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to get these slides uh, uh, fixed a little bit. But we'll come back to verses seven, 17 through 21 uh, and look at more of, of this um, um, statement from Joel uh, and looking at the young women, um, handmaidens and all of those that uh, and what was going to happen here at the end of the um, uh, had the kingdom been established then. Uh, but let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll we'll close out here. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful for uh, grateful for the opportunity to see these things uh, that didn't transpire uh, uh, exactly in the way that they could have. This this thing could have been entirely different than how we see it here today had different decisions been made. And it causes us to to look at you and to understand that uh, uh you have an overarching plan that will be accomplished no matter what. And there is variation within that plan for decisions that people make. And so it causes us to understand that your wisdom and your knowledge and the way that you are able to process things and, and have laid things out is much greater than our comprehension or, or our understanding. And so we're uh, grateful that you've allowed us to look into and see these things um, from a biblical perspective and uh, looking back on them historically and, and to understand that and be able to hopefully make decisions that are led by your spirit so that we're always within your perfect will for our life. For uh, We pray these things all in your son's name. Amen.